Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back. Okay, I have a great deal to read through here and a number of things to go over. A few geopolitical things here right off the top that were tossed my way toward the end of last week. One major education story that specifically has to do with local schools in the county where I live. And again, I, I really do think that it is a a very interesting snapshot of things that are set to come here in the future for numerous school districts all across the United States. This is not singular to just where I live. This is this is awesome because again, this is the complete collapse of the system. This is more evidence of it. And as we know, more and more school districts are going to do whatever they have to do to try to put levies on the ballots and people want nothing to do with it. Every single time that a school district turns degenerate or gets more degenerate or doubles down on their degeneracy, uh, and then they ask for more money and a handout, the awake public is always going to say no. And because we outnumber them and we outnumber the brainwashed and the degenerate, uh, they're going to lose every single time. Now, you've heard me say again, a thousand examples, and this continues to be the case of, again, the people with their protests and their sign carrying when it comes to all of this pride nonsense and pedophilia and everything. And, and protesting, of course, the, the school districts that do it and, and all of that. Simply walking away from the entire school district is the fastest and easiest way to make them destitute. But what I'm going to read in this article, again, is an inevitability. It's just something that is continuing to happen within this field. They continue to blame COVID for their money losses. They blame COVID for their lack of, uh, you know, their lack of attendance. And that's not it. We know that that's not it. It's ridiculous. It's just a terrible, terrible excuse for their own inability to manage money, their own inability to see the truth for what it is, not to mention these people are jabbed and they're not making much sense these days. So I can't wait to get to that article either because that's really going to be interesting. Um, and then just a couple of uh, jab-related things as well. In fact, more than just a couple. But I wanted to start off with this. At the end of last week, I received a series of text messages from an individual who, again, communicates back and forth with Jesse, James, Sandy, and myself. And I wanted to read these because, again, they were directly attending a downtown Detroit, Michigan immigration swearing-in ceremony. And uh, and here's ultimately what they texted me, and I'm just going to read through this. They said, can't wait to fill you in taking notes. And then they said the following. They said, so where to start? They said, a woman from FEMS for Change started off by telling all of the immigrants how important it was that they vote and that they could register right outside the courtroom. The organization would help them register. As you probably guessed by their title, it's a liberal Dem-sponsored lobbyist group. Over 150 immigrants sworn in four days a week. They then said, anyone care to guess the most popular countries of origin and the religion? Muslim, Pakistan, was one guess. And they said, mind you, this is only the Eastern District. I said, Nigeria? They said, no Pakistan, but lots of Nigeria, Uganda, Syria, Iraq, and Lebanon. And then they said that they made an actual list. They continued, they said, the Lebanese are Christian, but other than that, Muslim, one Mexican. And I said, the great replacement. 
they said there's a handful of Albanians who are devout Catholics. And then I asked the question, is someone explaining to them that Democrats are Satanists? (laughs) And they said, all of these people who have children under 18, their children are automatically citizens. I made some people nervous by standing next to the voter registration table and taking notes. Here's another thing. Apparently, any of these immigrants are allowed to change their names. They are told during the ceremony it's a simple matter of filling out a form. Now, obviously, this makes it difficult to track down criminals. Lots of Somalis, too. They repeat multiple times how they are now a part of a democracy instead of a constitutional republic. Now, this serves multiple purposes. They said not only does it make people ignorant of our constitution, but a new immigrant that doesn't understand our language thinks they should vote Democrat because they are a part of a democracy. And then I asked the question, just to be clear, are these invaders flying in or actual people who passed the citizenship test? And they said, no, this is how our citizenship ceremony now works. It's changed significantly. No more Pledge of Allegiance. Just the judge who swears them in and an advocate group pushing them to vote and Fems for Change pushing them to vote Democrat. I wonder if it's Dems for Change or Fems for, I don't know. Either way, they said, and it used to be that immigrants had to go through the same name change process as us. The citizenship test is now only six questions. I'm all for legal immigration, but I have to question why 90% are Muslim, they said. And then they said, and why is a liberal lobbyist group telling them about the importance of voting and the ones actually registering them? For example, their duty to vote was mentioned nine times, the importance of jury duty once, the defending of their country only if they were under 26 years old. Also, if they claim asylum, they bypass the wait for the green card and the five-year permanent residence requirement. Asylum now means you are handed a green card immediately off the plane, and then you have to wait a year to become a citizen. And that was the end of the text thread. Uh, I put that all up on Gab, and I got a response back from someone with a PDF that is titled, The 10 Steps to Naturalization, Understanding the Process of Becoming a U.S. Citizen. And this is from the U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services. It is a 16-page PDF, not long, not difficult to understand, and I have to tell you, if it's this easy, then we're doomed. There's absolutely no way that you can continue to water down this process and make it remarkably easy so that anybody can come in whenever they want, change their names, uh, completely falsify their identity, essentially, which is what that is, and then expect this to all work out in the long run. There's just no way. So I wanted to bring that to your attention. I didn't know if anybody out there was fully aware of how easy the process is and, of course, what's taking place. And I know that last week I spent a lot of time on this, but this is, this is uh, you know, this is important. This is a huge subject, and it's continuing to happen. I, again, I have no doubt that there are good guys in control in numerous avenues and know exactly what's taking place. However, that does not mean that we are not being invaded. It does not mean that these laws that allegedly exist regarding all of the asylum seeking and the refugee status and all of that are are a complete abomination. They certainly are, in my opinion. I don't like any of this. 
But this continues to be the case. It continues to occur. And uh, yeah, not good. It's not good. And I want to mention this too regarding Donald Trump shifting gears slightly and the, uh, the alleged indictments. There's nothing to them. I fully understand that. I think this is a complete show. Everybody's watching this. It doesn't mean that they're not trying to do it. I think that they are, but it's backfiring as all of their moves typically do, because when you have the truth on your side and the law on your side, it really doesn't matter. Again, the judge overseeing the case in Florida is a, ju- is a Trump-appointed judge, and I believe it's the 11th Circuit, if I'm not mistaken, and it's Clarence Thomas who oversees that. So, yeah, the good guys are in control regarding all of that. But I wanted to mention this too. This was an interesting post on greatawakening.win. It's lengthy, but it's worth it. And this post was written after, of course, Donald Trump made the announcement that he had been indicted, allegedly. And he was giving a a very quick talk on camera, standing in front of the Doctrine of Monroe painting. Now, this is a very old painting, but of course, it was clearly a communication regarding the Monroe Doctrine and a bunch of other things. So here's what the individual said in their post. They titled it, A Great Lesson in Optics 101. The Monroe Doctrine, picture behind boss. He hasn't been indicted. It's all part of the operation. Here's what they said, quote, The Monroe Doctrine is the best-known U.S. policy toward the Western Hemisphere, buried in a routine annual message delivered by Congress by President James Monroe in December 1823. The doctrine warns European nations that the United States would not tolerate further colonization or puppet monarchs. It says the Military Justice Act of 2016 clarifies many things, but especially that military is separate from anything civilian. When Donald John Trump federalized one million National Guard to active duty, that was a direct military order. As long as he's shaving, showering, and shitting, military jargon, he holds that command. Because the Military Justice Act also clarifies President and Commander-in-Chief are separate, and also clarifies Commander-in-Chief are separate from Article 3, which is the federal government. Who clarified? The United States Supreme Court in 2016 before they went under continuity of government. As this act was passed in the 2017 National Defense Authorization Act, National essential function found in the federal continuity directives starting January 17th of 2017 to most recent issue April of 2023. All the CIC Trump's executive orders and acts in them. If the executive order 13912, the federalization of the National Guard isn't so important, how come it's been extended to March of 2024? Biden, quote-unquote, did not terminate Proclamation 9994 from March 13th of 2020, which was followed by the Executive Order 13912 on May 12th of 2023, because he is not in power, as the three-canon military custom funeral on January 20th of 2021 displayed he is not inaugurated. Continuity or I'm sorry, Commander-in-Chief, CIC, Trump, received the four cannon, 21 guns, which is a 21-gun salute. They continued. 
It's also Commander-in-Chief Trump's Executive Order 13818 that pairs with the December 2016 Global Maginsky Act, no way I got that right, uh, that declared war on all human rights abuses equals drug trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking, and child trafficking, along with protection of whistleblowers and those being hazed for exposing these evil people. Once you understand the importance of the Military Justice Act, plus the timeline of these laws and orders, you'll understand you're watching the greatest sting operation in world history take place, and they're providing nuggets via visuals. The same Title X that Commander-in-Chief Trump federalized the 1 million to active duty, which is active until March of 2024, is the same Title X that every single veteran alive has passed plus all inactive duty National Guard and Reserve components sworn in under. You cannot believe in one without the other. They continued and said the same with military customs. Four cannons with 21 guns, rounds fired, equals 21-gun salute. Three cannons with 21 guns does not equal a 21-gun salute. It's a funeral service. Arlington Cemetery.Military specifically points this out. A little over a month after Commander-in-Chief Trump federalized the National Guard to active duty, he signed Executive Order 13919. And this was where your Optic 101 comes in after all of the pictures I post of showing how the National Guard has been out of their state jurisdictions and U.S. jurisdiction every single day since those orders were given. Commander-in-Trump passed this Executive Order 13919. It says, by the authority vested in me as president of the Constitution of the Laws of the United States of America, including Section 12304 of Title X, United States Code, I have determined that it is necessary to augment the regular armed forces of the United States for a named operational mission, specifically the, quote, Enhanced Department of Defense counter Operation in the Western Hemisphere, unquote. I hereby order as follows. And then, they, and then it says here, it says Western Hemisphere, that 10 U.S. Code 12304 specifically says, a member who is ordered to active duty under this section may be required to serve on active duty until his total service on active duty equals 24 months. If his enlistment or other period of military service would expire before he has served the required period under this section, it may be extended until he has served the required period, which is 10 U.S. Code 12304. They then wrapped it up and they said the following, None of the executive orders that Biden has extended would benefit he or any of the evil rhinos and dinos, a.k.a. the swamp whatsoever. Keep in mind, Three cannons equals funeral service. 21 guns equals reigning monarch. Number of guns, and then they have a link to Wikipedia. It says the 21-gun salute is not to be confused with the three-volley salute or three-rifle volley, rendered at military honors funerals, which you may see or hear at Arlington National Cemetery. They have another link to that, too, that proves it. And then they said, once again, four cannons equals inauguration with 21 guns equals a 21-gun salute. Optics 101, 
It all adds up when you start with the blueprint from top to bottom, the Monroe Doctrine, Western Hemisphere, unquote. You've heard me say this before, and again, I wrote a substack on it a, a, a very long time ago, frankly, but not only is there, of course, a war going on and multiple wars and multiple battles taking place at the exact same time, but when you're the president of the United States and you take an oath and you're not one of these criminals and one of these controlled Freemasons and whatever else, if you know that your enemy is right here domestically and overseas, and that enemies overseas are working with enemies domestically and back and forth and among one another wherever they live, and then again coming over here and us going over there and whatever else. When all of that is taking place, and you know that they are trying to subvert all of our rights in our entire country, your oath specifically states, and I, I don't have the exact line, but it states that you cannot hand over the presidency of the United States to that enemy under any circumstance. In fact, to follow the oath, it means that you have to hand it over to the military. This has been the case. This has been the case for quite some time. In fact, I would go so far as to even say it's quite possible that when Donald Trump was sworn in, that the moment he was sworn in was the moment that the military was in charge. I know that Again, even I've written about this and numerous other individuals have spoken about it too, that once, once they watch the 2020 election go to Joe Biden and be stolen, which is exactly what it was with everybody involved, including the media, that it was that point when Donald Trump, of course, was still the president of the United States and handed it over to the military by, of course, signing the Insurrection Act. And that's quite possible. I would simply throw it out that it's also quite possible that the mo that, that this was so bad and that we were under such attack in the military, the good guys, the real good guys in the military, not these rainbow flag-wearing trannies and whatever else, but I mean the real good guys. They knew way back, way before Trump was president, of course, what was going on, and, and they'd been planning this, of course, for decades and decades and decades, if not well over half a century or longer than that. but. It's quite possible that the moment that he took the oath of office in 2016, 2017, that he was simply the figurehead and that the military has been in charge even, even back then. It would make the Q drops even more plausible, which of course they already are. But even for a normie, if you were to explain this, you would say, I mean, you could, you could have them listen to that audio that I just, that I just read and certainly that document and that take in those executive orders. but. It's not an accident, is, is my overall point. This is a giant on purpose. These people are being caught, and every single time that they're shining a light on him, he's holding up giant mirrors and shining it back on them. Again, pay attention to the way that the media, again, is screaming about this Jack Smith prosecutor and, and Trump being indicted, and can he still run if he's in jail, and all this other talk, and just all the screaming that's taking place. Even they, aren't learning from their past mistakes and all of the screaming that they've done in the past with every single swing and a miss that they've taken regarding Donald Trump. It's because the military is 100% in charge. And all they're doing is continuing to expose that they are interested 100% in treason and sedition. 
They're just continuing to expose themselves in their own behaviors. They aren't letting up because they can't. They too are controlled in a very, very negative way. And it's treason, period. So I love all of this. Again, if an individual was really worried about being prosecuted, would they get on a plane, their own airplane, and fly to two states in the United States and give giant speeches to major audiences of their supporters? No, not at all. He's doing this because he's in charge and he's in control, and the military is too, and they're on his side because they know who the enemy is. Now, the question, of course, in all of these debates as to whether or not Joe Biden's controlled, has the military gotten to him and they have him doing particular things to make him look more of an ass than he already is? It's possible. All of that's possible. I'm not one to necessarily believe the mask wearing stuff, as you've heard me say. I'm not saying it's not a real thing. I know that it's a real thing and it's very convincing, without a doubt, to a number of different individuals, but I really do think it's him. I think that's his wife. I think that's Kamala Harris. I don't think they're wearing masks. I, I really do think that they are them. It is quite possible, however, that they are playing a role under the control of prosecution. And it's also possible that they're not, that they're just this stupid. And they are this stupid. So that's plausible too. Point is, none of this panics me. And, and it shouldn't panic you either. But again, it does not mean that things like us being invaded by so-called migrants and refugees isn't something that's still taking place. It most certainly is. And that has to be fixed, and that course has to be corrected. And the laws have got to be, I mean, it needs to be next to impossible to enter this country. It needs to be very, very hard. But uh, yeah, we're being attacked. There's no doubt about it. But again, there are good guys behind the scenes doing a lot of very good stuff. And if you can pick up on some of the communications that are taking place between the good guys and us and trying to reassure us that everything is, is going to be all right. I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't think it's blind trust either. I, I, I don't think that it means that we have to sit around and do nothing and, and just blindly trust government. I think we can do a lot of different things at the exact same time. We can exhaust all kinds of avenues, continue to educate ourselves, educate the people around us who are willing to listen. And again, People who connect the dots on these boards, like that section that I just read there, it, it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And I just saw this too, which was beyond bizarre. And again, of all the restaurants to go to, of all the places to go to, why would you go to this one? Unless somebody was around Joe Biden, whether it be Secret Service or someone, controlling him to some extent, again, without, without his knowledge. Uh, Joe Biden was in Walnut Hills, Ohio, just the other day, walking around with old Senator Sherrod Brown. And uh, they ended up going to, which of course is in the Cincinnati area, I should say, but they ended up going to a restaurant that is called Just Qin. J-U-S-T, capital letter Q, apostrophe I-N. Now, what are the odds of that? Why would they go to a restaurant called Just Qin? Of all the restaurants in Cincinnati to go to, <laughs> one with a giant letter Q, somebody's, somebody's moving him around. It has to be the case. Somebody around him's moving him around, and these are just little comms that they're tossing our way. Again, I don't think they're screwing with us. 
I think they're trying to reassure people, hey, look, we're still here. We know what's going on. Don't worry about it. And, you know, that brings me a great deal of peace. And again, it's not like, because again, I, I, I fully understand the individuals that criticize all of that. And they go, well, it'll bring you peace until somebody knocks on your door and, and takes you off to a concentration camp. Well, settle down. I would simply say settle down. I don't think that's going to happen. And I think the bad guys know that that's not going to happen. And the good guys fully know what we are capable of doing. But I think there's a lot of good stuff taking place regarding communications like that. And I just wanted to bring those to your attention. So there you go. I want to bring this to your attention, too. Couldn't help, of course, but pay attention to the uh, fires in Canada. And I wanted to reach out to Paula, who, as you know, has been on the show, former truck driver, uh, traveled all across both our countries, actually, Canada and the United States. And uh, I wanted to get her take as to what was going on. So she emailed me back. And here's what she said, and she dives into a lot of information, including jab-related stuff as well. So here is what she said. She said, quote, Hi, Sean. Yes, the fires were having an impact a couple of days ago. There were a couple of fires about one and a half to two hours north of where we are in Ontario. The sun was blocked quite significantly and had a strange, ominous orange hue to it. It smelled like a campfire. This was obviously not normal, especially for this time of year. They are pushing the climate change quote-unquote narrative hard, and again, people are believing the lies. A few of my co-workers who are injected with the bioweapon were complaining of a sore throat and difficulty breathing, and my supervisor wore a mask driving to work and kept it on while making his coffee to help quote, keep the smoke out. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And he felt it helped him to breathe. I'm laughing out loud while writing this, which I suppose is better than screaming. You're absolutely right. These people are nuts. Oh, they're nuts. It continued. She said, currently, we are making multiple signs that state, quote, fire ban in effect, unquote, for various counties. I wish we were making signs that state, quote, stop the elite arsonists instead. We were also just told and informed, rather, that the company 3M is discontinuing a particular vinyl used commonly for our signs due to environmental waste and in the name of climate change, question mark. Then she said the following, jab stories. She said, my boss travels frequently. He has at least three injections. Every time he returns from a trip, he is sick within two days. He then stays home until he has, until he has to clear, two clear COVID tests, rather, and then wears a mask when he returns to work for at least three days. Two things can be determined from these recurrent events. He has VADES and isn't capable of thinking for himself. Another co-worker's uncle died this week. He was only 70 years old, previously healthy, at least double jabbed. He went to the doctor two weeks ago and they found a softball tumor in his pancreas and was told that he had a couple of weeks to live. Another woman I know, double jabbed, is in the psych ward. She was waking up. She was waking up, she said. She said, I had given her a couple of websites to investigate back in December. 
She was having a difficult time observing the 5G towers, the cameras in the cities, the economy, etc. She has gone completely mad! Exclamation point. Prion disease? Question mark. I can only wonder. Take care, Sean. Thanks for your genuine input, input in this fake world. We appreciate you, Paula. Unquote. Thank you for the email, Paula. I'll tell you what, that last point that you made too regarding the prion disease and this individual uh, going mad and, and being admitted into a psych ward, I have to tell you, that's probably the first time I've ever heard that. And yet, when I read it for the first time, it does not surprise me in the slightest. I mean, take an individual, for example, who is not jabbed. If you take a person who isn't jabbed, and they're learning all of this information about the world we live in and the evil that exists and the people that have controlled it this entire time and all of that, it's remarkably overwhelming. And it's not that it's easy for anybody, but there have to be varying degrees of a mental and emotional toll that exists with these individuals who are learning this. Again, putting aside the individuals who are jabbed just for a second. Again, if you take the unjabbed people and, and the constant learning and the, and the awakening that's been going on this entire time, the things that we're seeing, the things that we're hearing, and the things that we're figuring out for ourselves and reading about, it is overwhelming and it is exhausting. It wouldn't surprise me if there are numerous unjabbed people who have completely lost their minds based on the reality of snapping out of the matrix. This right here, again, is sort of the, I would call it the collateral damage of what happens when we've been born into a brainwashed system to only then come out of it. I mean, what do they call that for deep sea divers? The bends? You know, where you, if you come up too fast, uh, you know, you end, up, you end up suffering severe health problems as a result. So you have to sit in a decompression chamber or whatever the hell they call them, and you sit in there for a while. And, uh, and, and you receive whatever it is that you receive. But, I mean, life goes on. We don't always have the time to sort of just back away from, from the ongoing war that's taking place. But if you take a person who is jabbed and starts to figure out what's going on in the world, it's inevitable that they're going to come across the jabs and the, and, and the impact that the jabs are having, not just on themselves. But all of society, everything, again, the economy and the businesses and everything else. And of course, the entire health system collapsing and the education system collapsing and all of that. It's remarkable. But that right there is an interesting phenomenon that, that has to be something that is occurring. And I wonder if anybody's really keeping tabs on that subject alone. So the question would be something like this How many individuals? Since, oh, I don't know, 2017, 2018. Well, we certainly know that 2016, with Donald Trump becoming president of the United States, was a major wake up point for people and a major snapping point for people with all of the screaming that's, that's on film from all the whack job leftists, because again, they too were brainwashed into believing that Hillary Clinton had a 98% chance of winning. And they were believing the mainstream media. And then all of a sudden, Donald Trump wins, and their entire seeming reality gets flipped on its head. So 
if you were to go back that far to even the 2016 election, how many individuals, and again, this is the question, but how many individuals have either completely snapped mentally, emotionally, physically, and socially, and clinically gone insane or clinically gone mad because of what's actually taking place? Now, again, if you introduce the shots and the prion disease, and these nanoparticles having a massive negative impact on the central nervous system and changing people's behaviors. And then you add on top of those jabbed individuals, again, like this person that Paula was describing, them learning a great deal of things as to the way that the world has really operated. Do they even have a chance? Do they even have a chance? Again, I, I and, and well, I'll, I'll put it this way. There have to be, again, you're talking about a real long spectrum here. So again, imagine, imagine a line in front of your face, a flat line that goes for miles in both directions. And there's just little notches on that line with every possible and conceivable scenario. We know that there are individuals who are jabbed and have come to the realization that what they did was the greatest mistake that they've ever made and that they were coerced into it. They were brainwashed into it. And, and they're doing whatever they can to not suffer the ill effects of it as, as best as they think. We know that that's taking place. And we know that there, are, again, are varying degrees of, of that awakening, regardless of where they sit on the subject of the jab. We also know that there are individuals who are double, triple jabbed and don't think they did anything wrong. Again, it's, uh, you know, it's the virtue signaling and the patting themselves on the back and, well, I'm boosted. Why aren't you? Well, everybody has to make their own decisions, you know, and, and, and all of that sort of public or private shaming that takes place among the individuals who are jabbed regarding the people who are not. But this right here, I'm telling you what, this is interesting. This has, uh, this has my brain firing big time. How many individuals have clinically gone insane because of what they are learning? And then when you add in the variable of the jabs, what chemical impact that's having on their mental and emotional state combined with what it is that they're learning. That would be interesting. That would really be interesting. And I really don't know if anybody's keeping tabs on that. In fact, I wouldn't even know where to start. Uh, I, I would probably have to start with basic internet searches as to the number of psych ward patients or. I don't know, mental and emotional health surveys, things of that nature. Um, but again, would those surveys even differentiate from the individuals who are jabbed or not jabbed? And then, of course, would there be questions on such a survey, if such a survey even exists? Would there be questions that would say, what is it that you think has led you to this frame of mind? And how many of those answers would be something like, well, I started to read Q posts because this came into the forefront of the uh, societal vernacular, so to speak. And then I started to learn about the world we live in. And then I started to realize that it's way worse than I could have possibly imagined. And then I started going down this rabbit hole and that rabbit hole and blah, blah, blah. I mean, what is it that they would actually say is the cause? Uh, th th that, would be, that would be very interesting. So I'm going to bounce around the internet here just, just a little bit. Uh, maybe in the coming week, in the in the late late hours of the evening, and uh, and and look a few things up again. 
just a quick reminder, I'm not going to have a show this this Wednesday or Friday, but I'm going to bounce around on the interweb and see if I can't find sim- something similar to that. And and I'll I'll mention this too. This is kind of important and uh certainly I I would say a, a nice theme to the show and I'll probably title it frankly, but I consider I consider this show and the wonderful listening audience. I, I consider us a battalion. We are a, a battalion of individuals in this war working together. The, the listening audience roughly makes up a battalion. There's approximately a thousand people that listen to this show. Not a massive number, but I don't care. It's not about it's not about that. It's about us sharing information with one another. And then because I have the time and the energy uh, and some of the skills to be able to do this. I can get those messages out to people just like Paula's email. So I would put this out to people. If you just heard what I was describing there, talking about the mental and emotional decline of individuals, let's see if we can't together try to find something like what I was describing. Are there surveys out there that would indicate that there are more or less or the same number of individuals on SSRIs, antidepressants? being uh you know medically diagnosed as uh as having severe mental and emotional disorders this has to be increasing doesn't it it certainly seems like it has to again you you take into account of course the the dependency that those individuals have on the pharmaceutical industry i mean that's its own problem but i'm specifically talking about what paula brought up which is an individual who was double jabbed was learning about the world that she lived in Again, regarding surveillance and 5G towers, the economy, what's taking place within cities, the degenerate behavior of anything, and then seemingly losing their mind. And then again, combining that with the jabs and that potentially being jab-related also. Where do we find that information? So I would simply put this invitation out there, I think, to everybody listening to this. If you can find information that you think connects those dots in any way, or shows those statistics either increasing, decreasing, or maintaining roughly what it's been, again, before 2016 or somewhere around there, regarding individuals, again, being admitted to psych wards, or even, again, receiving prescription medication for mental and emotional disorders, that would be interesting. Because, again, if I was to simply make a hypothesis, again, using the scientific method right from the top, I would say that that number has to have increased. Without a doubt, certainly within the last few years, again, if not further than that, but it 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 just had to have it had to have, and if that causes us again, I mean we got to make that hypothesis first and take a stance and take a position, and then go back to the beginning of the scientific method and then run through the research again and start to connect some of these dots potentially and see where it leads us, and then if we have to change our hypothesis, then so be it, then let's do it but Again, if you're interested in looking into that and and looking up some of that information uh, and you feel like emailing it to me, please do it. This is, this is, this is an avenue of, of study and inquiry, I think, that has to take place. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Just very quickly, though, it kind of connects, I think. To some extent, it certainly might. In a local newspaper where I live, and you know I live uh, you know, in the same town where Miami University is in Oxford, Ohio, but there's a giant $93 million health facility from TriHealth, which is a local you know, health affiliate, so to speak. But 
course, they've killed copious amounts of people. But there's a giant medical building now, again, $93 million, that is on Miami University's campus and is apparently now open. And they have classrooms for future medical students, and we know what that means. They have to be jabbed in order to attend. But they're also going to have, again, essentially an entire hospital inside, serving multiple individuals for multiple reasons. There will be endless doctors probably utilizing this building, along with nurses and and whatever, technicians and everybody else. I just find it very interesting that it's right in the middle of a university campus. Why would that be the case? Again, hardly anyone attends this school anymore. The numbers are are minuscule compared to what they used to be. And then why would you put this giant medical building, which frankly, it, it looks like the other universities, uh, other university buildings in town, you know, it's red brick and it's, it's sectioned out. So some of the buildings that they're all connected to are red brick and then others are not, but it looks like a giant mental institution. It really does. And you've heard me say this before, but I honestly cannot expect them to survive as a medical institution, unless, of course, all they're treating are the jabbed. That has to be it. And unfortunately, given the fact that it's going to be filled with individuals who already are in the medical profession as paid employees, combined with medical students, that these individuals are jabbed and that they are going to be jabbed while they are treating the jabbed. This is messed up. I know that that's happening in practically every single hospital across the United States, but right in the middle of a college campus, there's no way that the people in charge and that the people who, again, approved all of that and set that up for that to be a thing and for that to exist, that they didn't know what what was coming. They had to have known what was coming. There's no way that you would do that. We have a hospital in town. And again, this is not a pre-med school. As far as I know, I could be wrong, but Miami University is in a pre-med school. They have pre-med-like classes, but I didn't think they actually had a medical school. Are they looking to have one in the future? I mean, how on earth do they think that that's going to work either? Again, if you exhaust every avenue when it comes to these, these shots that people have taken, these biological weapons, the road is a dead end on almost every single avenue blows me away. It just blows me away. Well, thank you again, Paul, for the email. That's massive information. That's absolutely incredible. That leads me to this, speaking of dead ends. Here's the education story I have to bring up again. This is a county issue, but it is big because there's no way that this is only happening in the county where I live. So it is titled the following, Millions of Dollars in COVID-19 Pandemic Relief Funds Dissipate Leave districts planning for unstable financial futures. This is glorious. It brings a smile to my face because, again, these dummies had no idea what they just fell for. So I'm going to read through this and provide some commentary throughout. And please keep in mind, this is just not an issue that is existing here. Of course, it's not a bad issue as far as I'm concerned, but it is an issue that is taking place. And again, unfortunately, and I know this, that a lot of good people who are unjabbed and wide awake are losing their jobs. I don't like that. You know, that doesn't bring me, it doesn't bring me any joy. 
But these individuals, again, who are the child abusers and the brainwashed, these people should not be employed. They just shouldn't be. But again, these are the very individuals that are destroying their own school districts and they have no idea. And as you would expect, they're blaming the state. They're saying, well, well, the state's giving us less money. Well, why is that? It's because you're degenerate and you're doing a thousand other things that abuse children and so on and so on. So here's what it says, quote, Despite the years-long impacts of a global pandemic now fading in the rearview mirror for area schools, the road ahead is still a rough one, says Butler County School District leaders, or say Butler County School District leaders. Local schools are in their summer breaks, but superintendents point to the pending but unknown impacts of Ohio's next biennium budget as being among possible pothole obstacles when classes resume in August. Oh, yes. Yes, this will be a massive problem. It continues, it says, that new state operating budget, which must be passed by Ohio legislators by midnight June 30th, is key for some of the major challenges coming their way for the looming 23-24 school year. Officials won't know the level of state funding for operating local public school districts until the budget is finalized. Some area school districts, such as Ed- Edgewood and Ross, saw proposed tax, hike, tax hikes rather rejected by voters in May, which of course I mentioned those on the show. Overwhelmingly so, I might add. While others, including Fairfield and Talawanda, have publicly stated that they are considering asking local residents for more tax money. Good luck, dummies. Good luck with that one. Talawanda, where I live, of course, would have to find 3,000 people to vote in favor, because that's how much they lost by. 3,000 plus. Unless they're going through every single cemetery in town and voting for all the dead people, it'll never pass. It continues. Moreover, the coming school year will be the latest in a series of years since the onset of the COVID-19 in March of 2020, where area districts will mirror those nationwide as officials continue to try to provide and pay for academic assistance programs to help lagging students whose K-12 learning was slowed by pandemic interruptions. Wrong. Wrong. The COVID hoax had nothing to do with it. It's a combination of, of frankly, two things. Stupid parents. That's number one. We, We can't leave them out. Government can't teach my kid, then what am I supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to be the parent. That's what you're supposed to do. Put a nonfiction book in front of their face that tells the truth. And, oh, I don't know, have them read it. And then they'll probably learn a few things and start asking questions and learn to think. That's usually where you start. But number two, the pseudo-online learning that they thought was going to somehow be effective just proved that these individuals do not reach out to organizations or homeschooling programs or even university environments that do and are known for online learning and then simply replicating that instruction. They have no idea what they're doing because the people who work within K-12 environments never ask questions. Not good ones, anyway. That's why all of, all of their so-called learning, quote-unquote, failed and continues to fail. 
Not to mention, it's very difficult to memorize lies. When all you're doing is lying to students through information and curriculum and you're not teaching them the truth, it's going to be very difficult. It continues. They said the following, quote, Adding to concerns are the ongoing developments over historically large property assessment valuations being proposed by the state and opposed by Butler County officials and others. It says explore big, quote unquote, I assume that's some organization, step taken to lower Butler County's potential 42% property value hike. The challenges coming over the horizon for August school openings are significant, said Hamilton County, I'm sorry, Hamilton City School Superintendent Mike Holbrook. It says in the unknown variables make predicting the financial futures of school systems in the 2023-24 and beyond problematic, said Holbrook. Well, it's your own fault too, dummy. It's really that simple. Uh, he apparently said, quote, The major challenge facing Hamilton City Schools and most school districts throughout Ohio is the instability of state funding. The biennium budget impacts Hamilton City Schools significantly as over 70% of the district's budget comes from state dollars, said Holbrook, who leads the 9,000 student city schools. He said there is additional uncertainty with property tax increases in Butler County, making it a challenging time to determine future revenue. Oh yeah, you're screwed. Regardless of the financial state of each of Butler County's 10 public school districts, they all share an additional challenge of finding funds and personnel to also continue to try and improve the state of student mental health, worsened by the pandemic's disruptions in recent years. Ladies and gentlemen, I got to tell you, that, that sentence right there angers me to no end. Wrote a whole book about it. It's my last book on that very sentence. The school districts themselves were directly responsible for worsening the mental and emotional health of the students within the buildings. Don't make me bring up all of the reasons why again. I really don't. That would take over an hour plus to bring all of them up. At least an hour. Hell, it would take weeks. And now they're claiming that they're the victim. They just can't help themselves. They have to claim that they're the victim all of the time. These people are disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. Man. I don't even want to bring up all the examples. I've been over them too much. It continues. It says, explore schools, give more focus to student mental health care as Miami University program offers support. Maybe that's what the uh, $93 million mental institution slash hospital slash mental health school is going to be about. It says Holbrook, who championed such efforts prior to COVID-19's 2020 onset, said the need remains dire. Why is that? Why is it that you have students snapping mentally and emotionally within your school buildings, or you at least want to believe that that's the case? You've heard me say this, ladies and gentlemen. They're, they're using the mental and emotional health services, quote-unquote. They're using that, that saying because they know that they can receive more grant money and potentially more state money to fill that void 
of the lack of people that are working there, the lack of students that are working there, and the lack of money that they're receiving for every single student attending. Because again, that tag is not on that child's ear if that child doesn't show up. So by continuously pushing the mental and emotional story, and I'm not saying that it's not real, but these were the environments that created it. So they are the problem. He then said this, quote, education and society are ever-changing, and the need for mental health services and additional support has never been higher in my 32 years of education. Well, you're insane. And when crazy people are leading children, they're going to make the children crazy people also. The article continues, it says, funding remains a focus going into the new school year, said Adam Zink. Treasurer of the 17,200 student Lakota schools, because it fuels the engine of all key student oriented services. See their word usage? See what they're doing? They're trying to make it sound as if, again, they all have to be mental institutions now, and that they have to be the individuals that help these students out of their mental and emotional frame of mind. You can't help a person who is in a padded room. And theoretically, all of these children are in padded rooms. They just don't know it. It continues. It says, like many area districts, Lakota officials anticipated the so-called COVID cliff, where the millions of dollars in federal and state funds that helped local districts operate during the more active pandemic years are now being phased out. These dummies actually thought that they were going to continue to receive government funds. Amazing. Quote, knowing that any programs funded through federal relief dollars would eventually come back into our annual budget, we have been very intentional about how we used this aid. Before implementing any spending through federal relief, our executive leadership put plans in place to sunset certain programs, said Zink. But Zink and other officials with Butler County's most populous district are watching closely the formulation of the pending state budget closely. Quote, we are carefully monitoring whether or not the biennium budget will increase state funding for Lakota. He continued and said, as a district that is on a guarantee, which means that Lakota continues to be funded. As at the fiscal year of 2021 level, we are not anticipating additional unrestricted state aid in the new biennium. Billy Smith, superintendent of the 10,000 student Fairfield schools, said it's a blurry view right now for any local district officials trying to look down the road. Earlier this year, Fairfield officials conducted a number of school board presentations for the public focusing on the need for mo more local tax funding. Good luck, dummies. Good luck. It says Fairfield, Fairfield schools tax levy looming. Budget cuts coming, officials say. And this is the month's lead up to an unveiling of their new state budget has halted those. I don't understand what that means. Uh, here's another quote from that superintendent, though. It says, quote, unfortunately, there are too many moving parts or variables in play to paint a clear picture. Well, so you think. We can paint a clear picture, but whatever. For the confused, yes, you're right, you can't. 
It says, as a result, the district is unable to move forward with some of the discussions that we would like to be having around school finance, said Smith. As it stands now, the district will have to revisit those discussions in July once we have a clear picture from the state. Jeff Staggs, superintendent of Madison Schools, said his district is extremely focused on what the new Ohio budget holds in store for its rural school system. Quote, funding will be a major concern for Madison schools going into the next school year. Our main concern is that the state's fair school funding model, local school financing, will be funded fully and the inputs from the expenses are at the 2022 level, said Staggs. Now for the local school district where I live. It says, quote, officials at the Oxford area Talawanda schools are keenly aware of what is at stake financially for their district. In November 2022, voters there rejected a proposed school tax hike, and Talawanda officials have since repeatedly told its school community the need for more state and local funds remains. Talawanda will go into the 23-24 school year with budget cuts across the district, including no high school busing, in order to cover its projected operating budget shortfall. Quote, some of the relief funds that came during the COVID-19 pandemic have dried up, and replacement funds coming from the state do not exist, said Holly Hansel, spokeswoman for Talawanda Schools. Quote, given, the Tal- given that Talawanda like most of our district neighbors in other districts across the state, are in a financial crisis. The district is is facing making many budget cuts during the next three years, said Hansel. Kelly Spivey, superintendent of Edgewood Schools, saw voters in May reject the first proposed earned income tax to help to cover some of its projected budget deficit. It says possible budget cuts could include closing Edgewood School public discussions as to a next step are largely on hold until the state budget is finalized. That's an odd sentence, but I think they mean they're not going to let the public have input during their school board meeting, uh, certainly in the month of June or July, because they don't want to get yelled at. That would be my guess. They said, quote, on a national level, schools have seen a decrease in math and reading performance and an increase in children's mental health concerns, as has Edgewood. This compounded by one of the largest inflation increases over the past year has only magnified district challenges since the pandemic, said Spivey. No kidding. But you were the problem, see? You were the, you were the cause of these mental health concerns panicking students, teaching them lies, walk around with the invisible shield and divider, stand six feet apart, blah, 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 all of it. It continues, or they continued, and said, quote, school districts are having to problem-solve ways to do more with less money. This certainly puts a huge burden on educators. Many superintendents in Ohio are hopeful that the new biennium budget will will alleviate some of the financial burdens on our school districts, unquote. Hansel said that Talawanda and all districts locally and nationally, quote, are still adjusting to a post-pandemic world. We don't know what all the impacts are to that yet because not enough time has passed. Oh, you're about to find out. You're about to find out 
what the non-existent pandemic from a illness standpoint caused. Because all it caused was a pandemic of your own stupidity, individually and collectively. You believe lies. And people who believe lies, who are in charge of money, are always going to fail. Always. This is the largest lie, one of, that's ever perpetuated all of these working environments across the world, frankly. And these people can't for the life of them figure out why. Why they're going insolvent. Why people are leaving. They have no idea. It then says, but she added, she just couldn't help herself, had to keep talking. Quote, in many ways, things are getting better, but we still have difficulties to face, financial burdens to resolve, and we always are working on ways to make the best opportunities we can for our students despite these hardships. Unquote. That's the end of the article. These people are finished. These school districts are finished. They have no idea. They can do whatever they want to try to tax as many people as humanly possible. It won't work. All of this is happening seemingly for the normies. It's happening on Biden's watch. It's all happening with all of this Democrat leadership. And then, of course, in the state of Ohio, you have a Republican Senate and a Republican House. And they're saying, we're not going to give you more money because we don't have the money to give. You don't deserve the money, number one. Number two, it's your job as school districts to balance the books. You should have been doing this before the fake COVID hoax. You should have been doing it before then, but you weren't. Now, the fake COVID hoax gave you a blank check. You got your roofs replaced on your, on your school buildings. You got your windows replaced. You got new AC units for a non-existent, non-airborne illness that really is only transmitted through electromagnetism via the shots. And you wasted all that cash on things you didn't even need. And now what? Now you're, you're, you're going back to the well and you're just begging. It's pathetic. These school districts are done. They're going to have to start closing their buildings. They're going to have to start moving students into other buildings that they weren't previously in, combining grades. I'm telling you what, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. And as you've heard me say, if they're sitting on property in a vacant building, what's going to happen with that vacant building? Are they going to sell the building and the property to the highest bidder so that they can pocket that cash and use it for their regular budget and all their other degenerate things that they do on a day-in and day-out basis? I mean, they're just going to have to keep cutting people. But what are they going to do with the property? What are they going to do with an empty building? Again, hopefully they don't give it to illegals and just start to uh, house illegals in the local area because, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong with that? It's amazing. But that right there, ladies and gentlemen, again, is full-blown panic. That's just one county. That's a handful of schools in one county. And they have no idea what to do. And all they're doing is, again, blaming the quote-unquote circumstances. Well, these are just the circumstances. This is just the way that it is, and we can't control this. You heard me say in a previous episode, too, that the treasurer of the Talawanda City School District received an award for treasurer of the year from the state. Why? Because in this article, their own spokesperson is saying that they're insolvent and moving in that direction. 
<laughs> Why would you give the treasurer an award? What have they done? Nothing. Not to mention, they're really just receiving a, an award for doing their job. They made cuts because they had to make cuts, because that's what you do. But they're overspending. That's the problem. They're continuously overspending based on the amount of money that they're taking in. That's called debt. It's astounding. These people are so stupid. But hey, that's the state of affairs, ladies and gentlemen. That's your American K-12 school system in a nutshell. Okay. Two jab-related things on top of that. There is this. There's a substack bouncing around by Dr. An- it's called it's titled rather Dr. Anna's newsletter. And this is from Dr. Anna Maria uh Masilia, if I'm saying that right, probably not. And it is titled National Nanotechnology Initiative specifically speaks of COVID-19 bioweapon as quote nanotechnology enabled and plans many more nanotechnological vaccines. Quote unquote. This is an actual document from the Executive Office of the President of the United States. The National, Te- uh, National Nanotechnology Initiative Supplement to the President's 2023 Budget. It's in the money. They're putting these nanoparticles in all shots going forward. You've, you've heard me say this time and time again, probably since the beginning. They're trying to make all of the shots that everyone takes for a seemingly different thing ubiquitous across the board. They just want it to be the same. It's going to be the same poison. Oh, I'm getting a Gardasil shot because I don't want HPV? Yay for me. Oops, turns out it's the same juice that's in the COVID jabs. What do you mean you're sick? We've never seen that before. These people are psychos. It says, I'm just going to read the first paragraph here. It says, millions of people have been misled in a, in a concerted effort to divert attention from the study of nanotechnology in the C-19 shots. Mainstream freedom doctors, quote unquote, procl- proclaimed that we see nothing but salt, sugar, and cholesterol. The analysis of the hydrogel clots was omitted. And finally, only Mike Adams analyzed them confirming that they are made of self-assembly polymers with metals, a.k.a. hydrogel. Since then, I and my colleagues have presented much experimental evidence to validate these results repeatedly and will continue to do so. This is an excellent substack. I will link it in the description below. The evidence here is overwhelming. It's over-flipping-whelming. You can't send this again to any doctor. I mean, this right here, ladies and gentlemen, this is the cool part, okay? If you're still sending your children to an American K-12 school, public, private, charter, whatever it is, this Substack article right here is your get-out-of-jail-free card when it comes to having to receive shots. You know, by by the time they're in sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade, whatever it is, that they have to receive a Tdap shot. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this right here is your get-out-of-jail-free card. That's assuming, again, you still want to send your children to these environments that are going insolvent and remarkably dangerous for a variety of reasons. Of course, everybody's jabbed within these environments for the most part, and the 5G and the technology and electromagnetic frequencies and all that stuff. But this article right here is exactly what you print off and hand to your medical doctor and say, I want a medical exemption for my child 
going forward for every single year and every single shot that the school district where we send them is telling them to take or else they can't attend. This is it. Your doctor will look at this and shit himself. This is astounding. It's, it's too detailed. They also have, again, the National Nanotechnology Initiative link, and it is an 84-page document. And again, yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So you can download that PDF as well. And again, that's right at the end of this substack. But I will link this substack in the description below. Okay. This also should not surprise people. And it links in, frankly, it ties back to Paula's email. But this is sciencealert.com from about a week ago. And it's titled Abnormal Surge of Brain Abscesses in American Children. So says the CDC. Let me just read a little bit of this. It says the following. It says, following the easing of pandemic restrictions in the U.S., cases of brain abscesses in children under 18 have risen to new heights, according to a pair of CDC reports. December 2022 saw a peak of 102 cases across the country. Since then, cases have fallen again, but remained over the baseline maximum of 61 cases per month up to and including March of 2023. Now, here's where this article gets a little funny, because again, this is not following some illness. This is all shot-related. We have to be able to see through, through the mud here. This is all shot-related. It says these abscesses usually follow a respiratory infection, including COVID-19, the flu, or sinusitis underscoring the importance that children remain up-to-date with their vaccinations, says the CDC. Do you see? The CDC is seeing these increases in illness. Now, they're saying respiratory infection, but we really know what that means. It's attacking the central nervous system. These shots attack the central nervous system. Because the central nervous system is in charge of all of the other body functions, including respiration. And these shots break the blood-brain barrier, which means it's going to the brain. So it's causing a massive poisoning of a person's DNA and the brain, thereby leading to respiratory infections and now, of course, brain abscesses. And it says, even at these elevated numbers are relatively rare, but they are also quite dangerous. They're an infection in your brain caused by bacteria or fungi that enter the brain, usually either via the bloodstream from an infection or another part of the body, like pneumonia, or through an infection in the head, such as the ears, teeth, or sinuses. No. Although they're telling you in there what the real answer is. It's injections. That's what's causing these brain abscesses. All of the, all of the shots that children are receiving, including the COVID jabs, which are wiping out the people who take them, that's the problem. That's continuing to be the problem. And again, I'm glad that Donald Trump is, is opening the door, even though we are well ahead of the curve. He's doing it for the normies, clearly. But he's opening the door, 
with the discussion as to why all of the children are getting sick on a constant basis. Why is it that autism is through the roof? Why is it that children are having all of these health problems and children are dying? The only, the only thing that people aren't doing in his rallies are chanting the word vaccines at the exact same time. If he's asking these questions, that would be an interesting phenomenon to pay attention to is whether or not the crowd starts yelling the word vaccines at him as being the answer. He'll respond in kind, I'm sure. I mean, he'll, he'll say, well, could be, could be. He'll do that. But he claims he's going put to put together a commission to look into this when he seemingly re-enters office, even though he never really left. But that'll be interesting going forward because that's the answer. It's just shots. It's all shots. It isn't anything else. So let me end with this. It's an interesting post because it was an interesting week last week, and it's going to continue to be an interesting week here. This was from GreatAwakening.win, and as again, you would imagine, there's a lot of good stuff happening, but it's a war. So there are battles over here, there's battles over there, good things happening over here, not so good things happening over there, but here are some of the good things here, certainly some of the things that are waking people up. This post said, quote, we begin this week with a sonic boom. Shockwaves created when an object moves faster than the speed of sound. And then a series of bullet points they have here. Trump announced this week that truth would be spreading worldwide. His social media platform, of course. Instagram pedo network exposed confirming Pizzagate is real. Map emojis and pizza icons. Great Awakening movie, movie was released. Trump produces D-class letter showing he declassified files. Tucker Carlson premieres on Twitter, the CNN CEO is out, conservative billionaire wants to buy it, and the FBI shows Congress proof of Biden crime family. Trump was indicted, setting precedent to lock up public officials and ex-presidents. If this isn't a boom week, I don't know what is. Comms, so when Trump said truth is spreading worldwide, was he talking about truth social or the truth? Unquote. Could be both. Has to be both. Because both are spreading, without a doubt. Ladies and gentlemen, again, no show on Wednesday, no show on Friday, but I will catch you next Monday. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless. Peace. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.